Welcome to the Teaching Behavior Together podcast, where I provide you with actionable steps for making your classroom management plan effective by incorporating behavioral and social-emotional learning activities into your daily teaching. Hi, I'm Maria, and I have 10 years experience in the field of behavior analysis. In each episode, I will be providing you with effective and evidence-based strategies you can use to create a classroom environment you want to go to each morning. No longer will you be driving home in tears over the overwhelming feeling of trying to manage student behaviors. So sit back, listen up, and start seeing success. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Teaching Behavior Together podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to teach function-based replacement behaviors in your classroom. So let's just get right into it. If you're in the process of determining how to teach a function-based replacement behavior, you should have conducted a formal functional behavior assessment or FBA. Therefore, you have identified the function of the behavior or the why behind the behavior. If you haven't done that yet, this would be a great first step. You need to know the function of the behavior prior to teaching a function-based replacement behavior. So just a refresher, there are four different functions of a behavior. There's attention from peers or adults, escape or avoidance, access to a tangible or sensory stimulation. So once you've identified the function or functions, because a behavior can have two or more functions or be duly maintained by two functions, you can then work to identify a functionally equivalent replacement behavior. So first, let's break that down a little bit. What does a functionally equivalent replacement behavior mean? Basically, what you're going to do is teach the student a different behavior to engage in that would result in the same outcome. Therefore, say the function of the behavior is escape, and right now they're engaging in a behavior like a meltdown, and that is allowing them to escape whatever they're escaping in that moment, you're going to be teaching them a replacement behavior that they can engage in that would allow them to access the same escape. The key here is that the alternative behavior matches the outcome of the behavior they're engaging in. So how do we actually go about teaching these functionally equivalent replacement behaviors? So that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of this episode. The first key component to teaching a replacement behavior is identifying a replacement behavior that is more effective than the previous behavior that the student was engaging in. So in terms of being more effective, we want to make sure that the behavior results in the outcome as close to every time as possible, especially in the beginning of our programming. We can eventually fade that out, but in the start, we want to make sure in the beginning, the behavior results in the outcome reliably. So let's look at a different example. Say we're teaching a student to utilize a break card instead of throwing a tantrum when they are engaging in a task they don't wanna do. Whenever that student uses a break card to request a break, it needs to be effective, meaning it needs to result in a break. At the start of the programming, our focus is to build the skills, and we do that based on reinforcing the appropriate behavior with the outcome that was maintaining the behavior or the function of that behavior on a reliable and consistent basis, making it an effective way to get that outcome that they were looking for. Then later, we can plan as a team how we're going to thin that reinforcement schedule. But again, right at the beginning of our programming, we want that new replacement behavior to reliably contact the outcome or the reinforcer on a very consistent basis, therefore making that new behavior more effective than the old behavior. Next, we want the new behavior to be more efficient, meaning it takes less effort to engage in that behavior than the previous behavior. This can be where I see a lot of plans run into some bumps in that we're not necessarily focusing on a behavior that is more efficient to engage in. 
Keep the new behavior as low response effort as possible. We want our students to engage in that behavior over the other behavior because it's easier to engage in this new behavior. If a student has a behavior that is already working for them, meaning that they're already getting the outcome or the function that they're seeking, if we ask them to engage in a behavior that requires more effort, that's just not going to be successful. It is possible to use a very simple response and then shape it into a larger behavior if that's the route that the team wants to take. For example, say we are teaching a student to ask for a break when they become upset or frustrated. We first might just have them utilize a signal to the teacher that they need a break. And then we might shape that into them actually utilizing some sort of request that they need a break. So whether that's utilizing a sign or an AAC device or a vocal response stating that I need a break. And then we might further shape that into them expressing that they need a break as well as the emotion that they might be feeling behind that. So they, we might shape it into, I'm really upset, I need a break, so that we're building that skill and we're increasing independence of our students. So we might shape that over time, but the very first behavior that we're teaching might be something very, very simple because it's less effort than the other behavior that they were engaging in. Therefore, it's more likely that they will engage in that behavior over the other behavior. So these two components are going to be essential to teaching replacement skills. It needs to be more effective and it needs to be more efficient. So when we teach the more efficient behavior, it needs to effectively contact that outcome. Without these two components, teaching replacement behaviors becomes really, really tricky and usually not as successful as it could be. So when you're developing a plan, I really, really want you to focus on this. Really focus on is the behavior more effective and more efficient. And with the more effective piece, that's going to come in with you and your team determining how are you going to reinforce this behavior by allowing access to the same outcome on a very consistent basis. And then when you're looking at the more efficient, you're going to be identifying what behavior can you teach this student that is easier to engage in than the other behavior they're already engaging in, and then develop your shaping plan for a more complex or different skill that is the final outcome of the skill that you want that student to be engaging in. But at the very beginning, we're focusing on that behavior consistently contacting the outcome and being a lot easier than the behavior that they're already engaging in. This is going to lead to the most success for your students if you focus on these two aspects of your plans when you're developing functionally alternative replacement behaviors. In terms of actually teaching the skill, we often use behavioral skills teaching model um, in which you provide information on the skill, you model the skill, you allow time to practice, and then you provide feedback. We've talked about this method for teaching behaviors in the past. It is a very simple framework for teaching any skill that you want to teach in the classroom. You can utilize behavioral skills training to, again, provide instruction about the behavior or the why behind the behavior. You're going to model it. You're going to allow the student to practice, and then you're going to give any feedback. I highly, highly encourage you when you're utilizing the practice phase of this is that you allow the behavior to contact that outcome. So again, if they're asking for a break, they get a break. Okay, so that's what we really want to focus on when we're teaching these replacement skills. And this is the main method I would utilize to teach replacement skills, again, because it's a framework that you can use to teach any skill that you're really focusing on in the classroom setting. 
The last key aspect to teaching functionally alternative replacement skills, one is again, identifying a new skill that they can engage in that is more effective and more efficient. Then we're utilizing the behavioral skills training model to teach these skills. And then we're also taking data on the skill. So we know that it's increasing and the other behavior is decreasing. So that's what we wanna see. We wanna see that inverse relationship, okay? We wanna see that the new replacement skill that we're teaching is increasing over time so that we know, okay, this is replacing the other skill. This is going to help you determine if your plan is working. If you don't see that increase in the skill, then it's not working. So we need to then maybe find a different skill, go back to, is it effective? Is it efficient? Those are the two main questions you're going to be asking yourself. If you're not seeing the results that you want to see, really focus on, okay, is it effective? Is it efficient? What can we do to make it more effective and more efficient in the classroom? And then again, over time we shape and we thin out that schedule of reinforcement. So these are the main three things that you want to focus on when you're teaching replacement skills. Effective, efficient behaviors that you're going to teach. You're going to focus on utilizing some sort of framework like behavioral skills training to explicitly teach that new replacement skill and then take data to make sure that that new replacement skill is increasing over time. One last thing I want to focus on or just touch on is that we really want to also identify replacement behaviors that are going to work for our students and that are not too drastic of a complete change in what they were engaging in before. Again, we can shape behaviors to being more appropriate and increasing the skills and independence of our students. It just might take a little bit of time. Say we have a student who's engaging in a large tantrum in your classroom for whatever the outcome. Going from engaging in a large tantrum to taking deep breaths probably isn't appropriate step for that student. It might be that they're going from a large tantrum to stomping on bubble wrap or something that would allow them to release their frustration about something or stomping in the hallway or something along those lines. Just make sure that when you're identifying a replacement behavior that it's something that's going to work for your students and it's not too big of a jump from one behavior to the next. Again, we can use shaping to really move the behavior in the direction that we want to see it in. But if you're if you're focusing on teaching a replacement behavior, it might not be the most appropriate first step for that student. So just keep that in mind as well. When you're really discussing this with a team, really looking to shape a behavior. Again, if you're looking at something like a large tantrum in a classroom, going from, hey, you're engaging in a large tantrum to now I want you to take 10 deep breaths, probably is not going to be the most effective strategy. You guys have heard me talk about deep breathing before. I don't think it's the only coping strategy our students can use to release upset or frustration or calm their bodies. There's a lot of different things that they can do. So when you're looking at these different behaviors, just focus on what's going to work for our students so that, again, it's more effective, more efficient, and it's getting them the outcome that they were getting previously. And again, we can shape behaviors over time. So just, just focus on that. It doesn't have to be the end result product that we're teaching right away. It could be something that we're teaching and then really shaping over time. So just keep that in the back of your mind when you're developing these plans. So that's pretty much all I have for you on teaching different replacement skills. Remember, the main three things that we're going to focus on is are they effective and efficient? Are we utilizing some sort of evidence-based framework to explicitly teach the new skill? And are we taking data to make sure that the new behavior, the replacement behavior, is moving in the direction that we want it to go? If you're looking for different ideas for different behavioral interventions that you can be utilizing in your classroom, I have a 
completely free behavior intervention guide in the description of this episode. All you have to do is go down to the description, click on the link, and it'll take you to the guide, and then you can just download it once you enter your email. It is super simple, and it is completely free. It is 20 pages of different interventions that you can utilize in your classroom with examples of how to utilize them as well. And the examples span the different age levels. So if you're an elementary teacher, middle school, or high school teacher, you should find an example that applies to the setting that you're teaching in. So if that's something you're looking for just to get different ideas of different interventions that you can be utilizing, definitely check out the description and download that for free today. If you're looking for more tips on behavioral and social emotional learning, make sure you go follow me over on Instagram at Teaching Behavior Together, where I share daily content related to behavioral and social emotional learning strategies for your classroom. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope this episode was helpful and have a great rest of your day.